Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to details for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, where my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by Molka Sports. You can follow them online at malkasports.com. Another terrific guest lined up for you this week, Will Allen, a 12-year NFL vet. He played for the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was a national champion with the Ohio State Buckeyes in 2002. He's a partner with MVP, a new venture capital fund. He's going to talk to us about all of that. And also, why do athletes make such great investors? What does their skill set help them with when it comes to investing? We'll talk to Will Allen on our show this week. A reminder, listen to our award-winning podcast, 17 Years of Archives. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We always love it when you rate and review our show. If you haven't checked out our new YouTube channel, go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Many of the interviews that you listen to, you can also see if you want and uh, watch those on our YouTube channel at sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm joined by Brian Griggs, our executive producer. Griggs, how are you? Doing good. And uh, just another cool guest. I love the angle of investing and ex-athletes that have had a great career in, in their sport, and then they go into investing and how they do it. And uh, just some good, good insight from Will Allen. I love it. Yeah, we've had such smart guests on lately. So uh, I'm learning a lot. I hope our audience is as well. All right, let's get to some headlines. The NBA Final Eight. Really interesting, Griggs. I love seeing that there's some new blood in there. This is the first time since 2010 that neither LeBron James or Steph Curry is going to play in the NBA Finals. We've got the Suns and the Nuggets. We've got the Bucks and the Nets, the Hawks and the Sixers and the Clippers and the Jazz. So five of those teams have never won an NBA title. The most recent NBA title won by any of the final eight teams, the Philadelphia 76ers way back in 1983. So whoever wins this year is either going to win for the first time or for the first time in a long time. That's good. I like it, but we're going to see how the TV ratings go. I'm sure that ABC and TNT are hoping that the Nets are in there somewhere because of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, even though Harden's been injured. They're the most star-studded team But, you know, if you look and let's just say you had a a Milwaukee and Utah final or Milwaukee and Denver final, 
I'm not sure how great that would be for the ratings, Griggs. Yeah, for sure. And you know, you're right. You hit down the head. The NBA would love to have Brooklyn in the NBA Finals. But uh, I agree with you. It's so good to have some young teams, some young freaking all-stars. I mean, man, Booker is killing it. Of course, Kawhi is still doing his thing. You know, Chris Paul, it's fun just to see some different teams, different, you know, environments. I love having crowds back. So uh, I am totally glued to the NBA playoffs. All right. One other headline before we get to the interview with Will Allen. This was a big story this week. John Rahm, who was leading by six shots heading into the final round of the Memorial, had a positive COVID test. So it was really odd, Griggs. You see on TV, John Rahm is approached by an official while he's on the course, and the official told him that he had tested positive for COVID. He had to withdraw from the tournament. He missed out on a $1.6 million payday. Now, he may have lost, but with a six-shot lead going into the final round, you you feel like you're pretty safe with that lead. So that $1.6 million payday is pretty uh, secure in your back pocket. He might have to miss the U.S. Open, which would cost him even more money. Um, Look, he's an independent contractor, so the only person this hurts is him. I guess it hurts his sponsors, too. It obviously hurts the PGA Tour. The broadcasters had to answer for this, but it was really interesting how everyone danced around whether or not John Rahm was vaccinated. Well, look, the PGA Tour has a policy in place. They only test non-vaccinated players, so if this COVID test came back positive, you know he took a test, so you know he wasn't vaccinated. It will be very interesting to see Uh, If he gets vaccinated in the future, you see a lot of athletes right now uh, who are not getting vaccinated and things are becoming more and more difficult for them. But, you know, this is one point six million dollars that you cost yourself just because you didn't want to get vaccinated. And I wonder at what point might we get where the leagues and even these tours, tennis, golf, whatever, say, look, you have to be vaccinated or you can't play. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's getting to that point. I mean, we're seeing that with the universities, state universities and schools and businesses and things are starting to get that way where they're going to require vaccinations. And man, I mean, ouch, what a big (laughs) he was probably not excited to see that official walk up because that is just a big loss for him. Yeah. And like I said, if he misses the U.S. Open, I mean, all these players live for the Grand Slams and the majors. And, you know, if you miss out on that uh, and again, it's it's him. So it's not like you're a team sport and you're getting COVID and you're, you know, you're Giannis or someone like that. And now the Bucks have to play without you. So the only person really hurt by this in the wallet is, is him. But with that being said, come on, I, I, you know, I don't want to turn this into a political thing, but I, I don't understand, especially the athletes and the coaches and the people who are around a lot of other people. It's not like they're working, you know, from home or something like that. I don't understand why you wouldn't get vaccinated. And I think the pressure is going to increase for those who don't get vaccinated. We've already talked on this show about, you know, how there's vaccinated sections and there's non-vaccinated sections. And even, you know, the New York Knicks had said they were only going to allow vaccinated fans if they had advanced to the second round of the NBA playoffs. So we're seeing that happen too. But, you know, this has been going on for over a year now. It's interesting to watch how it's uh, morphing, but that was pretty surreal when you see, someone have to walk off the course with a six shot lead and cost themselves $1.6 million at the Memorial Griggs. Yeah. I mean, I was watching Saturday and I'm like, Oh, he's got this tournament. He's up six. And then the next time I turn on Sunday, I'm like, where's Rom? He's not even on the scoreboard. And then I went back and saw the story, but yeah, I mean, big loss. And I think you're right. I mean, especially these athletes that are traveling and they're constantly in a different state in a different city. You just got to think you got to get vaccinated just for your safety and for everybody else around you. All right, coming up next, Will Allen, 12-year NFL vet, national champ with the Ohio State, played for the Buccaneers and the Steelers. 
He is doing some really interesting things with his new venture capital fund, MVP. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Sports Business Radio host Brian Berger here. The wait is finally over. Sports Business Radio merchandise has finally arrived. We're working with our friends at the Parish Project to provide you with the opportunity to buy really quality sports business radio merchandise. We've started with long sleeve t-shirts and short sleeve t-shirts. They come in five different colors, each a variety of sizes. I love my shirts. And soon we're going to have hoodies to offer as well. Hooded sweatshirts. I know a lot of you are wearing hooded sweatshirts while you're working from home these days, but whether you're working out, just lounging around the house or doing whatever you're doing, you can rock Sports Business Radio merchandise. I think you're going to love it. Go to parishproject.com. That's P-A-R-I-S-H project.com. Parishproject.com. And you can order your Sports Business Radio merchandise today. We appreciate your support. And uh, send us your best picture. Tweet it to us at SB Radio. Or also, you can get us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. We look forward to seeing you rocking that sports business radio merchandise. My guest is Will Allen. He is a 12-year NFL career playing safety for the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he played at the Ohio State University, a national champion in 2002. You can follow him on Twitter at Will James Allen. Will, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for taking some time. Let's start with when you were in college, what kind of classes were you taking in order to be a business person like you are today? I'm just interested in like, what's the path that you took to get to where you are right now? You know, it's interesting. I didn't, I didn't take business classes. I took a few, I took business, like basically business math, understanding finance, took a little courses of that, took some economic classes. And I, I took a few um, courses on um, management and uh, because I, I was in strategic communications, that was my major. Uh, but I got curious about business because, uh, you know, ironically, all the white guys on my team were in finance, economics and business and none of the black guys were. And I looked, I said, why are you guys taking those courses? And we're we're not. So my mind just started thinking about it. Um and I said, well, I, got, I, I realized that we had a project in one of my courses. Um, we were helping nonprofits and small businesses to, um, you know, get get more market share, understand market share, understand their finances a little better, build a communications and marketing plan around that. Um, and I love that. I love like that problem solving aspect. And so when I was maybe like a junior in college, I knew that I wanted to help smaller business accelerate and grow. I, I, t I literally remember walking on campus and telling myself that, but I wasn't in Fisher School of Business, you know? So uh, as my NFL career continued, uh, I took some um, executive education um, courses at Harvard and at Kellogg, you know, at Northwestern. And that's when I really kind of started realizing that I wanted to be, I wanted to get into entrepreneurship and business. And um, from there, I just completed my MBA from University of Dayton and uh, business analytics and uh, management. So 
I'm super excited that I have that now under my under my belt. I was gonna say you've definitely got the education component handled. Those are all really good schools that you attended. At what point during your NFL career did you start maybe talking to guys in the locker room or even business people to say, when I'm done playing in the NFL, I want to lay the groundwork for what's next and what you're doing now. Yeah, you know, it's you 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 really ask the first day and they really tell you, you know, as you're a rookie. Um, you know, be planning for when it's over because you don't know when it's going to be over. So, you know, I'll ask a few of my teammates, but I started off in a nonprofit sector, you know, because that's what everybody did. Everybody had a nonprofit and they had a mission that they cared about. And I, I knew that's something I, I needed to do and wanted to do to get back to my community, get back to Dayton, get back to Tampa. because That's where I started my career. And uh, that's what I did. And, you know, along the way, you start to meet business folks. You don't know who's fake and who's real. So uh, the NFL doesn't teach you how to build a good business team. You know, they, they don't take on that responsibility. So you kind of learn and ask questions, you know, asking folks like Derek Brooks, Rondi Barber. You may ask some of the coaches, but everybody really is concentrated on football or their sport. So it's really difficult to ask an athlete, especially at that time, because there wasn't the access to deals and the access to opportunities just weren't as abundant as they are now. Um, so you know, a lot of people kept their business dealing silent or separate because, you know, it just wasn't a mainstream thing. And, and the coaches and general managers and ownership really wanted you to focus on football and, and you know, and, and really perfecting your craft. So, you know, you didn't get a lot of information. So that's why I thought it was important. And I go to a Harvard and I go to a Kellogg to, to, to let my eyes be open to what the world had to offer. OK, so talk to me about building that team now that you've done it. If there's a pro athlete listening to this and they're going, I need to build my team, what's the right way to build the team? You want to get the best players. You know, you want to get access to the best people. And all you got to do is make a phone call and, or send an email. So if you know that it's an investment banker or there is a private equity or venture capitalist that is really, really good, you know, and you can read and say who are the best venture capitalists, who are the best private equity investors, who are the best investment bankers. and then you can see, well, how do these people align with who I am and my values and what I want to accomplish? Or, hey, are these people open to, um, you know, mentorship and coaching because I need it and I want to I want to build relationships? Then you go you make those calls, especially while you're playing. And if you went to the same school or you play or you or there were some commonalities there, you know, you find that out. And that's how the relationships kind of get started. And that will be my advice is don't be afraid. Don't just go buy all the cars and jewelry um, and think that that's work. That's value. Um, I think you should, you can create value by yourself by 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 uh, forging meaningful relationships. And when you do that, you know you start to build credibility, uh, initial credibility, um, and then you start understanding how deal structure work. You start understanding how investments work. You start understanding what's a good deal, what's a bad deal, how to say no, and then you have a sounding board. People who really care about you, really people who really care about. Your, your trajectory as a business person. So uh, Jeff Wilk from Amazon is someone who I understand has been a mentor to you. He's part of your team. What have you learned from him and who else is on your team? Yeah, Jeff Wilkie. So, Wilkie, sorry. Jeff Wilkie, uh, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, uh, he's a great person, you know, really, really, uh, you know, really mindful, thoughtful person. Uh, he, he understands business, understands how to grow businesses. I mean, he, 
you know, he started at Amazon in the late 90s, early 2000s, and really grew Amazon what it is today. There was a recent article in, in um, NFX, uh, and he just kind of talked about his relationship with Jeff Bezos and how uh, Jeff Bezos calls him a teacher. You know, you think about that. Jeff Bezos worth $200 billion. Yeah. Calling, you know, this, this guy who he hired, his teacher. So, you know, just to, just to have those, those relationships. Uh, and, and, you know, he's a believer in, in who I am, my character, uh, the type of person I stand, stand for. But, you know, I met him through another mutual friend uh, who, is in, who was in private equity and ownership. And, you know, he's also a great person. So I think it's just a matter of how you, um, you know, how you build the relationships with people and how you ask them for advice. And um, and also trade, right? Trade that value, exchange that value, and, and you can support them. I think just because they're at a very, very high level, that doesn't mean that you can't provide some nuanced um, information or nuanced uh, just uh, advice that they, that could be, you know, valuable to them. So it's 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 a it's a two way street. Obviously, right now. Um, I'm gleaning more from people who who are better than me, who are more talented than me, because that's how you learn, right? Um, but it's 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 a really good relationship, and he's a fantastic man, and uh, you know he's a fantastic uh, business mind as well. Being a former pro athlete, you've got some traits and characteristics that transcend to business and being an entrepreneur: hard work, persistence, diligence, creating relationships, being coachable. Uh, how has being a pro athlete prepared you for the business world? Yeah, I, I think it's, you, you, you don't know those uh, intangible, intangible uh, value, value and, uh, you know, just uh, skills that you have. And you think it's all honed into sports when really it can transcend across multiple industries uh, because those characteristics and the, the skills that you learn that you develop in, in sports, you know, are very attractive, but you just are, you have to learn how to apply those skills. I think that's the difficulty is, you know, you, you named a few of them, but I think those are the very basics. I think problem solving, uh, being creative, uh, being able to make really um, quick decisions and being confident in those decisions uh, and, and those, those decisions that you, that you make, have a have a strong ROI because you know based on your sports history, if you made a poor decision, it leads, easily led to a touchdown or a turnover, and those are those are very costly to your team, and you may not get that opportunity back again, right? So you you're not living in fear, but you're living in a place of of if I make a mistake, how do I learn from it, and how do I minimize that very quickly, and how do I in, in, increase my increase the value and increase opportunities for myself and for my teammates. And I think that's the biggest thing that you learn is that what I put on tape, everybody can see and everybody can evaluate in real time. You can't hide from that. And, um, and you live by that every day. You get comfortable in being uncomfortable. And I think a lot of corporate America isn't. <laughs> you know, people can sit at their desk and hide in front of a room of a thousand people and nobody even really knows. But when the pressure is on you, you get tested, you get refined and you, you, you're like, hey, I'm a little confident in my abilities, but I think the key component is, are you willing as an athlete to learn, right? And to hone those skills in corporate America on some things you don't know, right? Are you willing to take those, get those reps in and, and, and be diligent just like you would if you had to practice, go to work at 6 a.m. and go to workouts and, 
you know, train and put your body through all that rigor? Are you willing to put your mind through that rigor? And I think that's what matters the most. And that is the difficult transition piece for most athletes is that they understand like they've made it up here. They've been at the top and now you got to, you know, take it down a notch and learn a new skill, develop new skills, but transfer and apply those, those, those beautiful um, skills that you developed into this world. Now you become, you become really, really strong and you become really, really valuable for your own company or for another company. There's even a difference between working for corporate America and being an entrepreneur, right? When you're an entrepreneur, there's a lot more risk involved. You're not getting the paycheck every two weeks. You're putting your own money out there. I've had Andre Iguodala on, and the way he put it to me was, if you can go three for 10 in investments, like that's a really good batting average. Just like in Major League Baseball, three for 10 is, is really, really good. And sometimes you'll hit on a big one, like he's hit on Zoom which who knew that Zoom was going to become as big as it has a few years ago. Would you say uh, that's accurate? And, you know, being an entrepreneur is a lot more risky than just working for corporate America and showing up for a job every day. Oh, absolutely. There's so much security in corporate America. Like I said, you can hide at your desk and Mm -hmm. just be comfortable and just take small increments every year and and not and not be uh, aggressive, not be not be progressive. And not strive, right? When you're when you're relying on yourself every day, like most athletes do, again, creating value for yourself and creating value for your teammates, you got to do it now because championships are won in four to six months. You know, we don't have a five-year, you know, plan to really ease these things out. We got to move now and move fast. So being an entrepreneur, those are some of the similarities uh, of the characteristics that you have to do. But um, to Andre's point of going three for 10, I, I, I get the analogy, but I'm not about batting averages, you know, especially in venture capital. I want to hit home runs. Um, so, you know, I want to be like Mark McGuire. Every every 10 of my, every 10 at bats is a home run, right? So if I get that, I know that I've, I've, I've created outsized returns for my investors and for myself. And I've helped these entrepreneurs and support these entrepreneurs do something that, you know, we didn't know that, that we could create or that we knew we just needed to take it there. So I think the three for 10 works in certain industries. Um, but, you know, if you if you're thinking Mark McGuire or if you're thinking Barry Bonds, you know, you, you, you know, every nine to 10 at bats, you want to get that 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 grand slam home run that goes crazy. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that, again, going back to entrepreneurship, you got to bet on yourself. You got to develop your skills and you got to um, be you know, you got to really sharpen your sword every day. Like there should be something you're always learning. Uh, it should be something you're always growing in and you should always try to find ways again to support people around you that you can add meaningful value to. Okay. So let's talk about that. You've got MVP, a new venture capital fund. It's really unique. Tell our audience about that and what you're doing. That's really different. Yeah. MVP is a, a Pittsburgh based company uh, with a Midwest focused uh, we, we really pride ourselves on the anchor industries here in Pittsburgh, AI, robotics, life sciences, and, the, and med tech life sciences. Uh, you know, if you look at, you know, what's happening at CMU and what's happening at Pitt and the surrounding robotics uh, culture and industry here in AI industry, a, you know, CMU has the number one AI uh, grad program and computer science program in the country. Uh, you know, our growth in and robotics has grown some over 200% um, with companies in the last, you know, seven years. 
It's it's uh, we got multi billion dollar autonomous driving vehicle companies here. It's it's becoming uh, a really um, a tech hub, um, and uh, and uh, and it's 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 really fantastic to see and grow. I remember being here. I came here in 2010 as an undrafted. I mean, as a uh, as a free agent from Tampa, and you didn't talk about these things. People didn't know about them. Mm. So to see these industries um, and the collision amongst entrepreneurs, investors. Um, you know, just kind of come together with university, uh, with the universities and the spin outs that are happening is, is just tremendous. So we see a huge opportunity there to capture that value, um, to have boots on the ground and um, to really create outsized returns uh, in this region that people really don't think really don't have a strong conviction about. But we do. And I think having that contrarian belief um, in what's happening here and understanding and having those relationships puts us ahead of the game. Uh, for this growth that's going to happen here over the next 10 years. So, if, as you you know, and I think that's what makes us different. And other components as well is that unlike any other venture firm um, in the Midwest, you know, we're, we're really we're really uh, founder centric and we really want to make sure we provide the support systems around them so they can grow fast and they can uh, really be the best the best version of themselves. Right. So, um, you know, that, I think that's something that hasn't happened in the Midwest. You see it on the coast a lot where you see a lot of operational expertise in-house or, you know, you get, how do you get to first customers, you know, and things of that nature. It just, it just hasn't been a part of the culture and nature here in the Midwest. And I think those are some of the mechanisms that we can include into our business model as we think about uh, helping companies grow and scale. Um, another part of it is, uh, again, this this community and network of, of, of advisors and experts, you got to have those uh, to, to really, you know, understand industry, understand market trends, understand how you can, again, be founder centric first and, and have, have the support systems there. Um, so those are things that we're doing that I think is unique um, that really um, provide attraction from the best founders that exist. And, uh, you know, cause we want, we want market defining companies, market defining talent, you know, and diverse talent, right? Um, and that's why we're incorporating what you call a, a Rooney Rule within our within our founding teams. Is that all of our founding teams that that we support and that we partner with? You know, they have to be diverse. They have to have you know African Americans. They have to have women. They have to have people from diverse backgrounds and um, you know just diversity because diversity wins. It's not just cliche. The numbers say so. The business case is there on you know the performance. So and we, you know, so we see ourselves kind of at this this nexus um, of diversity, you know, uh, being founder centric and also taking advantage of all the potential that exists here in Pittsburgh and across the Midwest. Founder centric. I've asked this question to a lot of people in, in your position uh, on this show. When you're looking at a founder. What are the traits that you're looking for? Like, I mean, you're kind of like a, a scout or a GM building a team. You're evaluating. It's it's not the four three forty. It's what does this founder have that I want to invest in? What are the traits you're looking for? Just the same thing. Uh, when you think about uh, the what, the characteristics and what it takes to build a dynamic team, um, especially in technology and and. Um, you know, technology companies, you, you take, you, you, you take a page out of sports. Um, we've seen the first round of the draft last night. We've seen the top 10 picks. We've seen what teams need and how they're thinking about long-term growth. 
So if you take a Trevor Lawrence at, at number one, uh, you know, and a Justin Fields at number eleven for teams who really need quarterbacks, they're looking for long term growth out of those, out of those, out of those, out of those, out of that talent, right? And they're very highly specialized talent, um, and they're they've been they've been perfecting their craft since they were little kids, you know. And you think of the same thing uh, as it relates to tech, you know, engineers you know, um, or people with non-technical skills, what are you really good at? And are you at the top? Are you at the top? Are you elite? Um, and can you build elite teams? Um, and, and I think that's the biggest thing that you have to ask yourself as a founder. You know, what is it about you that makes you special? And how are you perfecting your craft every day? Um, and, and do you have do you have a certain something about you that's intangible that we can say, oh, wow, this 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 person is unique. This person sees the world much differently. And also we have market conviction about what they see and what they believe. I think that's that's something that I can I do really well based on my sports background. And then I want to know what is it about you that a, a part of your personal history? Like, I think you got to dig in deeper because you want to. I mean, we just read an article about the guy about the two billion dollar uh, company uh, that was taking um, uh, LS, LSD. Right. And he got fired. Yeah. This is like in the news the other day. I can't remember the name of the company. I was going to say, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. He just got fired. Uh, his board of directors, you know, basically fired him. He was a founder. But, you know, is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? You know, Steve Jobs said LSD changed his life. So, you know, I don't know. But, you know, he used it in a more of a medicated way. It wasn't, you know, but they found out and they fired him. So I think understanding a person's character, understanding a person's passion, understand what drives them, understand if they have mission oriented or if they're just financial oriented or if they're both, right? I think those things matter when it comes to critical moments and critical junctures and founding a team and taking a team, uh, taking a company to the next level is who, who are they in critical moments um, in critical junctures of a business. Uh, and those are the type of, type of people I want to partner with. Those are the type of people I want to do business with and we want to build relationships with uh, because that's what I learned playing sports. Um, the better, the better the community and the better the culture and the better that the, the character of the people is what makes the team and makes the team very successful. Um, you don't have to be on the island. You know, I, I play with Troy Palomalo. He was the most, um, I, I would say, a sensitive person I met, uh, one of the most creative people I've met, also one of the most confident people I met. But he also would give you the clothes on his back if he, mm -hmm. if he, if you ask for it, right? Because that's that's who he was, and people don't know that. They just see the wild hair and him flying across the screen, but his character, personality is is who I know. So you know, it's it's really unique uh, to see that. But um, you know, every everybody's different. The, the makeup and genetics of a team and a founder is really what you got to dig into and build the trust. How many proposals a week are you getting? And if someone wants to work with MVP, how do they do that? Uh, please email me at will at magarag.bc. Um, we got, we have uh, Twitter, we have Instagram, I mean, Twitter and Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, so you can go to those as well as Magarag Venture Partners or Magarag BC. Um, you know, but, you know, we can, we're open. You know, we want to, we want to hear the best. We want to listen. We want to learn um, and we want to help you grow. So, uh, you know, like I said, we're founder centric and that, that matters. Um, so, that's how I think about it. I mean, traditionally, you know, getting access to VCs has been very difficult. Um, 
because, you know, you're just inundated with so many companies and so many people that, you know, don't understand alignment. And I would say that too. understand the partners, understand the venture capital firm, understand how they function and what they're really good at. And then approach them if you think that this is a right, right position for you and a right marriage for you, because you could be with this venture capital firm from as, as little as two years, as as long as 20 years, depending on the growth of the business. So you really have to really hone in on that as a founder and saying, do I really want to partner and, 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 and grow with this, with, with this, uh, with this person, with this team. And that's, that's vitally important. You know, obviously funding is, is important as well, but you don't want to take the wrong money from people who can't help you or support you just because it's money. I really think you should know, have a, have a steep knowledge and understanding of that, of that, of that venture capitalist, of that firm as well, and their capabilities to help you grow and to help you build the next, the next best company. I want to go back to something you said earlier uh, about what the NFL does to prepare players for off the field life, specifically business. I know the NFL does rookie orientations, but if you were coming in after playing 12 years in the NFL and knowing what you know now, and I said, Will, I want you to organize some sort of a curriculum for current NFL players, not just rookies, but people beyond their rookie year to prepare them for business when they're done playing, what would that look like? Uh, you know, the, the NFL and the NFLPA does great, does a great job of doing this. It's just a lot of players don't take advantage of it. They have internships um, at banks. They have internships for the construction companies that build the stadiums. If you want to get in that, they have internships uh, at, you know, for whatever really you want, you know, media, you know, Under Armour, you name it. But you just have to take advantage of it. Right. Venture capital firms like all of these things exist. Um, you know, um, you could really, really be whatever it is that you choose to be while you're playing football. If you see, you know, KKR or, or Carlisle on TV, you say you call the NFL and say, hey, I would like to have a meeting with X, Y and Z or I want to do an internship in the summer. This is important to me in the spring and summer. This is important to me. You can go do it. I would say every offseason. If you haven't graduated, do that. Get your get your get your MBA or your JD. You know every office, go go towards and do that. Um, and I would say intern. You know, just do an internship for three weeks to a month. Uh, get that knowledge. You know, get, you know, get your elbows and hands dirty and something that you haven't been exposed to. Whatever it may be, if you want to go into NASCAR, do that. If you want to go into horse racing, do that. Like the world is your oyster. Don't think that I want to go back home and hang out with my friends and. Like you got this once in a lifetime opportunity being in NFL and having the access and people will open their doors because they want to be around you um, or they may have an affinity towards the team you play with and you could definitely take advantage of that. So that's what I would say. Finish your degree first, you know, um, and then go and do internships and build relationships with some of the CEOs and C-suites um, and people who can really uh, coach you and help you understand business, under help you understand how corporates work. Because you don't know. You're 21, 22, 23. You've never been exposed to these things. And don't be afraid of that exposure. Great advice. All right, last question for you. Former Pittsburgh Steeler. You're in Pittsburgh. Uh, the Steelers sign head coach Mike Tomlin do an extension. Uh, Big Ben, this might be his last year. What do you expect for the, from the Steelers uh, from this upcoming season? Yeah, I get one. got to get one win better than last year. So you got to win 12. 
Okay. Um, you know, and you gotta you gotta go further in the playoffs. You know, getting beat by Cleveland in the first round is unacceptable. Losing six games in a row is unacceptable. So you gotta go twelve and four. Uh, you at least gotta make it to the AFC Championship game. Uh, Super Bowl hosting Lombardi is always the goal. There's nothing less. Going to the playoffs is just mm, we can do that, right? It's 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 being one game better than what you were. Uh, playing, giving your propping yourself up to play in the AFC Championship game to give yourself a chance to play in the Super Bowl. You got to do that this year um, and have a strong running game. I think that's the key. That's what hurt them last year. They got caught up to the, the passing game. Passing game caught up to them. They're one-dimensional. Uh, defense can only do so much. You know, you got you to be able to balance the game out, get, some, get a game changer back there um, for the running game. You do that, we'll be talking, we'll be talking in February and still just playing the Super Bowl. Najee Harris from Alabama, they, that's who they drafted in round one. Uh, he's pretty good, so I think he may help their running game. If he can get 1,000 yards, absolutely. Anywhere between nine, 900, 1,200 yards as a rookie would be great. What about – so you started your career in Tampa. Tom Brady goes down there and wins the Super Bowl. They do have kind of an all-star team put together, but two totally different fan bases in, in my experience, Pittsburgh and, and Tampa Bay. What's that Tampa Bay fan base like? Uh, you know, they, they, I don't know. I don't know now they may, they may have turned, turned the leaf and more committed to the, to the franchise now, but, uh, you know, most of those folks aren't from Florida, you know, you know, so it's, you know, they got their home team, whether they're from New York or Philly or Chicago, and they're just down in Florida living now. So I just think that they, they can, they can lock in and be real fans, you know, and and be really, really tied to to the franchise and tied to what Bruce Arians is building there. Uh, he's a phenomenal coach. He's a uh, and he's a great person, man. He uh, and I, I love being around him when he was in Pittsburgh, along with all the other staff that he had when he was in Pittsburgh. So I know the, the, those guys' character and what they're building down there is phenomenal. So if they can, you know, if they can uh, get some fans that's locked in, whether they win or lose, uh, I think I think they'll be a much better. Fran- they'll be, they'll continue to be a good franchise. Will Allen, 12-year NFL career playing safety for the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can find him on Twitter at Will James Allen. Will, it's been a pleasure having you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks so much and continued success to you. All right. Thanks, Brian. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.